that's a good thing that some of you are doing. Let's all do it. Give the Lord a cheer. Would you do that? And before you sit down, God is good. And all the time. You may be seated and we welcome you. And as we've been singing, I will worship you. Truly, that is the reason we should be here today. And that is the thing that the Lord anticipates of us is for his people to worship him. It's not an ego thing. It's I love you, gave my life for you, and want you to live so that others may experience me in their lives as you do. Truly, it is good to be here. As we came here today, I believe whatever hour it was that we got here, that we were all expensing rain. And that rain is here in Kansas City, in case somebody is listening, someplace where it's arid or dry, and we wish you had some of it. However, the Lord knows your circumstances, and he knows the circumstances of everyone here in this building today. Let us worship him. Let us receive from the Lord what he would have us to have. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Brother Harold. to ask a question. I guess Wednesday night I heard you studied on Elijah. So did you guys enjoy Elijah study? Well, that's good. That's good. This Wednesday, I think we have uh, Sister Glenda. Next Wednesday, Brother George. I'm sure those would be equally as educational as Elijah. So uh, keep them in mind. 7 p.m. They'll be taking place. And then we did want to announce the district meeting, which is next Saturday, the 21st, is going to take place at the Olathe Church. So if you need the address, it's there on the on the screen for you. Again, that starts at 630. Um, it's going to be a church service. And uh, uh, the speaker will be Brother Smith, which he was here five months ago or so. He's the uh, uh, overseer um, of uh, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Kansas, and Missouri. So um, he'll be speaking that night. If you remember when he was here, he was the guy, one of those attention getters going around on a scooter. Walk going around. He had a bad leg. You know the type. You know the type. Yeah. Straight leg, yeah. But, uh, yeah, he was one of those. He's walking well now, though. But he'll be speaking. Uh, and, again, that begins at 630 on Saturday. And then uh, we might mention as well, we haven't been mentioning, but the in International Assembly's coming up um, in July 20th through the 24th. There you go on the screen, too. And if you want more info, go to cogop.org. But. It doesn't get that close to home very often, Oklahoma City, so if you've never been there and you want to see it uh, and take part in that, um, there, there's a four or five days there you can get down there and see that. So keep that in mind as well, and we'll let that go around on the announcements for a while. Um, does anyone have anything they need to announce? Nothing? All good? All right, let's all stand. We'll begin this morning with prayer. If anyone has any prayer requests they want to... Make mention of. Nothing? You're all good? That's good. All right. Unspoken requests? Raise your hand. God knows each one of those. Let's, let's pray this morning. Father, come meet at this time.
eternity for you, Joe. to glorify you, God, and that we will continue to be able to see your direction, God, in your ministry and uh, do as you want us to and that your will can be done. Bless each one here this morning, God, in a special way. In your name, amen.
lives. Aren't you thankful to know he lives? He lives. He didn't just die for us, he rose again. And we can be victorious because our Lord was victorious. Amen.
us. He has saved us. He has filled us with his Holy Spirit. Amen. That we need each day of our lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for picking us up, for turning us around. I don't know about you, but I've been heading the wrong direction before, and he has picked me up and turned me around. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for that solid ground. Amen. Everybody just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank the Lord for his goodness, and I still want to worship him, as we sang in the early part of the service. I want to worship him and receive from him what he has for us here today. Thank the Lord. I was not, well, I was just not blessed with a good idea on how to begin this other than to, I don't want it to sound strange, but our former president has uh, created a web page, maybe it's called Twitter, I'm not real sure, as I'm not into those type of things very well, and it has the name Truth Social, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I, I've never subscribed to it. In fact, I'm told he doesn't subscribe to it, but it's his. And he claims it. And when I came about the title of my presentation today, I thought, well, I hope nobody gets this confused. Because I'm going to use the Word of God, first of all, as the basis of my presentation. But the title of this presentation is Truth Above. And I will have to tell you that I got the concept of this th thought uh, sitting on my back deck as I looked out and seen all the weeds that was growing up. I was not calling them truth, but the truth is that they're weeds and they're getting above everything else that is out there. I have one area of my yard that my son says is my yard, and I proudly claim that there's hardly a weed in that thing. It is beautifully green, and you can walk on it like walking on a carpet. Except do be careful, the dogs do go out and visit it from time to time. Truth above. There's some scripture that goes with this particular thought as well. And I share with them with you. 
from Matthew chapter 13. This is from the King James Version, verses 24 to 30. And Jesus is speaking, and he declares what he is getting ready to tell the folks, that it is a parable, and he says those words. He says, A parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. And while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. And of course, uh, if you're not familiar with the uh, definition here, uh, it means uh, bad seed or that which was to become weeds. And that is what the enemy did to this good field that perhaps was a field of weed. We do not know. It's a parable. So if you want to think it's rye, you want to think it's barley, it's up to you. And uh, Jesus left it open that way. But when these things began to come up, verse 26, began to break the ground, it says, A blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, but then those weeds or tares, they came up also. And if you make a mistake and go out with weed killer to try to get rid of just the weeds and all the beautiful grass, you're going to end up with something greater than a great speckled bird, I'll tell you that. It's a mistake. So Jesus is explaining that when the blade or the fruit began to come up through the ground, there was the weeds also. So the servants of the household came and said unto him, Sir, didst thou not sow good seed in the field? From whence does it have all these terrors? Well, here, here we go. Truth above. You cannot sometimes effectively separate truth and that which is non-truth because they sometimes can come from the same source. So the parable that Jesus is telling continues in this fashion. He said unto them, An enemy has done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But Jesus in the parable says no, because when you begin to get the, the weeds or the tares, you will also root up the wheat with them. So he said, let them both grow together. We don't like doing that in the, in the natural course. But in the parable, he says, let them both grow together. 
And then there will come the time of the harvest that I will say to the reapers, Gather you together first the tires and bind them in bundles and burn them, but gather the wheat to my barn. I will tell you that in the five years that my wife and I and our family, we had all of our family at home. In fact, part of our family was born in the area of Sturgis, South Dakota. In fact, three of our children, uh, the real lively ones, the ambitious ones, they were born in Deadwood. Uh, and, of course, that's where Wild Bill Hickok and Annie Oakley and some of those people uh, lived their lives, some of their parts of their lives. But we had a particular church member, George and Laura Levine uh, were their names, and they owned about uh, 8,000 acres, which is no little garden spot, as you can imagine. And above everything that they had was wheat fields. And in the western part of the United States, as it was then, uh, it may have changed, it may not have changed. When it came time for the harvest, all hands on deck. I mean, teachers, preachers, uh, medical people that were available they all went to the harvest to help the ranchers, the farmers, gather the wheat in. And no different for me, as I had the opportunity to climb up on a great big old 24-foot binder, cutter that was attached to the combine, and me and the other son who was trusted with a 30-foot wide one, I got the small one. We would go down the rows of wheat, and we would harvest it. Trucks would come up beside us without stopping. We would move a particular lever and unload the hopper in which the weed was in. But sometimes in the harvesting, I would see, and you could not avoid them, you'd see where there was weeds or tires that had grown up with them. But no worry, because there was something in the combine, and I remember them saying it was called a beater bar, and as the wheat would come through, the beater bar would beat the wheat into a particular area of the machine and it would go into the harvest, which would go into the truck, which would go to the grain bin, which would go to the market, which would go in your cereal bowl. Now, it took a little bit longer than that, of course, but uh, that's the long and the short of it. But I was always amazed at how the, the wheat and the weeds it could have been barley as well, rye as well as we harvested all of it, but mainly where I was at, the folks owned and planted wheat. 
Somehow or another, those beater bars were able to separate the grain from the tares. One would go out one way, the grain would go into the hopper, into the trucks, onto the grain bins, and so on. I was always, as I said, marveled at how this type of technology had been developed. Of course, the precedent had already been set in the Bible. In fact, we just read a parable by Jesus that gave an indication that when the harvest was ready, they'd be gathered together and that they would be separated. He didn't mention about the combines then, as they uh, had not been invented, but nevertheless, that is what they did. And I am making that reference and comparing it to the thought of truth above. It was always noted to me that when the grain went into the hoppers of the combines, the weeds did not go. As a matter of fact, they went in another direction. Depending on which way the wind was blowing, it could have came back and got in your face as well, as it sometimes did. The fact is, there was a separation. As truth is going to be always above the falsehoods of mankind. Now then, in the beginning of this, a few series, or a few sermons in this series that I am going to be talking about truth, I'm going to be talking about the great truth weapon that the Lord has in this world. In short, I am talking about the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost of God, as it is the thing that will, the spiritual thing, that leads and guides us in truth. I don't know how many sermons I'm going to be preaching on this, but I'm beginning with this one today. And this is the way that the Lord has directed me to begin to speak in regards to truth above. Paul wrote to Timothy, second division of Timothy, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And unless I tell you different, everything is in King James Version. And he's talking about the truth. He says, Know this, that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covenants, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. It sounds like we need the truth, doesn't it? And he went on to describe it in this fashion. That these people will be without natural affection. That which the Lord intended them to have when they were born. 
They will be truce breakers. They will be false accusers. They'll be incontinent. They'll be fierce. They will be despisers of those that are good people. This is the truth that God's people will come to accept, be led by, as the Holy Ghost directed even Paul as he wrote these letters. They'll be traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And then he speaks something that seems like it's in a different railroad uh, track, but he begins, he switches over to the appearance I need a tissue. They, he begins to talk about people that are having a form of godliness. He is talking about people that are living in the disguise of being a Christian. Having an appearance a form of godliness. But there's something missing from them. And it's truth. Because you see, they'll be distinguished because of what they are, how they are. They'll have a form of godliness, but it'll be a form that will not experience the power and presence the prevailing work of the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost of God. And Paul gives some very vivid, gives a very vivid description of how we're to fellowship with them. He says, from such turn away. Strong words. As a matter of fact, for those who really like the direct approach, I suppose this is about as direct as your uh, palate would like to taste right now. If there are people like that, the scripture says, turn away from them. That doesn't necessarily, by the way, kick them out the door. What that means is that you don't fall into what they are about. And then we go to the Old Testament. Truth above. We go to the second chapter of the book of Joel. Any of you remember Joel? One of the small books of the Old Testament. But Joel was a prophet to the children of Israel. And this is about 1,800 years before Peter was to use part of this prophecy as his sermon, as recorded and we'll get to in the book of Acts. And Joel uttered these words, truth above now, and it shall come to pass 
afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the great and terrible day of the Lord's coming. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. I'd like to draw your attention before I encounter this text and say what the Lord will allow me to be able to say. I'd like to draw your attention to verse 32 that it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. I think it's very important for us to know that Jesus came into this world, and you do know this, to seek and save those that was lost. You also know John 3.16 that our Father in heaven loved this world in such a way that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him would not perish, but they would be saved. They would have everlasting life. Okay. Now that we have discussed the foundation of that, of this thought, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. The Bible says that the Lord has not forgotten his people in this day and time that Joel is talking about. What is Joel talking about? Let's bounce back to verse 28. He said in the last days... He's going to pour out His Spirit, His truth, His Holy Ghost, His Holy Spirit. Something is going to happen to God's people. You see, God's people do not disappear from the face of the earth. The Lord is going to be with them regardless of whatever difficulties that they may encounter. Something is going to happen to Spirit-led, Spirit-directed, Holy Ghost-filled people. The Bible says that His Spirit will be there for them all. And He said they shall prophesy, that is, they will preach. 
Your old men dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. They're going to be living in a world that is looking for and requiring, demanding, and walking in the truth of God's Word. Who is a poor? Verse 29 says, It'll be upon the servants or everyone, the handmaids, everyone, and those days in which He pours out His Spirit. There's going to be things happening in the world that man has never experienced before. There's going to be wonders in the heaven, the earth, blood, fire, pillars of smoke, sun be turned into blood, things that we have not seen before, things that we do not really know how to describe even at this time in our lives. But then is going to come the day of the Lord. There is going to come the time in which the Lord is going to say it's enough. Then he is going to say to the people that it is time for evil to be put down and truth shall rise above all evil. And those that will call up, it isn't complicated. It isn't difficult to understand. Those that call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. As I look at these scriptures from the book of Joel, I recall later, and we read in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, the 21, that there on the day of Pentecost, there was a preacher by the name of Peter. And part of his sermon on that particular day, 1800 years approximately later, he quoted the words of Joel. And he's talking about the truth above. said, It shall come to pass in the Last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your souls and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your young and your old men shall dream dreams. You know, one of the things that comes to me is the fact of all the years that passed from the time that Joel uttered those words and somebody preserved them in some type of uh, parchment, some type of, we, we can't call it computer because they didn't exist then, but we can call it in the Holy Ghost scenario of things. It was preserved, and here Peter is repeating it, and he be, repeats it verbatim apparently as we read from the book of Joel to the book of uh, Acts. Upon my servants... Upon my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. There will be wonders in heaven, signs in the earth, blood, fire, vapor, smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the great and notable day of the Lord. It is my understanding that it was either Saturday, it was Saturday night, I think, there was an eclipse 
of the uh, sun between the moon and the earth. And according to the things that I read, that it was going to be the color of blood. Now, how that pertains to what is being talked about here and what that means compared to what is being talked to here, I'm going to leave that to people that want to go in that direction. I, I personally don't know, but I do know that the signs that was being given over 2,000 years ago is being quoted even in the last few days about what is happening in the world. And I also know that verse 21, as Joel said, Peter repeats it, it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We're still talking about the truth above. We're talking about what the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost of God has preserved. And thank the Lord for that. Now then, let me proceed further into this. Twenty-five years after Peter uttered these words on the day of Pentecost, from that day, of Pentecost. In First Peter, going to the book of First Peter, first letter of Peter, chapter five, verses six through eight. I'd like for you to note this is the same Peter who twenty five years ago was preaching about what Joel had said. Now twenty five years later he is writing this to the people that the Apostle Paul was dealing with as Paul had not been on the scene in the Christian manner in the day of Pentecost period of time. The Apostle Paul is alive now. He's living. Peter is still around still preaching. Chronologically, this is 25 years later. And this is what he says, the, an excerpt from his sermon in verses 6 through 8 of chapter 5. He says, Greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in the heaviness through manifold temptations. Interesting verse of Scripture. It sounds like lawyer talk almost. If need be, you are in heaven as through manifold temptation. In other words, there is something going on in your life that is creating thoughts. What is happening? People are being killed. I'm bringing that to the time we live in now. There are shortages of baby food. There is this happening, there is that happening. And the burdens or the problems are many, many temptations, meaning problems. Verse 7, it describes it further. Peter's preaching 25 years later. He says, now the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, 
though it be tried with fire, as hard and as sound, and as during as gold is, though it be tried with fire, that it might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now before I read verse 8, I would like for us to know that we are entering into or have entered into that time. I'm still talking about truth above. I'm talking about a Holy Ghost dispensation of time is, a, is a one way that we have said it over the years and perhaps some can relate to uh, better. Having not seen, verse 8, you love. Yes, we talk about the Lord. We talk about his mercies. We talk about his greatness. We talk about the leading of the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost. But we haven't seen it. Peter describes it. Whom having not seen you love, and whom though now you see him not, yet believing you'll rejoice with joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Maybe we ought to write a song that has those words in it. The fact is, we're living in a time in which this will be the product of those who live in and are guided by and directed by the Holy Ghost of God. Truth above. Oh, there is so much about the Holy Ghost. We will get into more of it as we go. As I come down in the sermon today, I think I'm coming down. Oh, I've got four or five more pages to go. You'll be here until, uh, well, we finish, I suppose. Paul's description, and we need this, by the way. We really need this. His description of how we deal with this time that we're in. And he wrote this to the church at Ephesus. It's recorded chapter 6, verse uh, 10 through 18. You've heard this passage of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 6. I'm waiting for Jude and Sarah to quit playing tic-tac-toe and catch up with me. There they are. Sarah says, I won. Anyway, this is what Paul said about this time that we live in. Finally, oh my goodness, I can almost see him pointing a finger at us. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I'm talking about truth above. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit of God. And what he is saying to us is, as Christian people, as, as Brother Tom, as Brother Richards and Sister Harriet's, he is saying to us, let us put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Because listen, as much medical technology as there is out there, as much as, 
ingenuity that exists in the economy and so on and so forth, there is nothing that is detrimental to mankind as what Paul is talking about here. He says, it is not the flesh and blood. It's not just the powers or spirits of the heavens. It's against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. My goodness, listen to that. I know we've, we've read and reread and heard and reheard this text of Scripture, but listen to it one more time, would you? Listen to what is all out there. Boy, we need. That's a figure of speech when I say, boy, we need. I mean, uh, oh, girl, and oh, boy, we need the help of the Lord. Verse 13 says, take unto you the whole armor of God. You need the truth in your life. You need the blessing, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and then when you have done everything that you know to do, then just flat out stand and have your loins or your being or your spiritual mind girt about with the truth, truth above. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace taking unto yourselves the shield of faith, and you might be able to withstand to quench, be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, taking the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God in our Sunday school lesson today, taking unto us the sword of the Spirit, which is sharper than any two-edged sword, praying always with all prayer and supplication. That, that's with a tenacity that we have never experienced before, an energy that has never been put forth before. Praying that way unto the Spirit, truth above, watching therefore unto all perseverance and supplication for all now then, this is just the beginning of what I'm talking about, the truth. Because you see, the Holy Ghost is not only evidenced by the speaking in other tongues, but is, is a power that works when there's no tongues going on. Paul said he spoke more in tongues more than everybody. But that wasn't the thing that separated him the thing that separated them as it separates you and I is the fact that it is a power. It is an armor. It is a discerner of the truth. It is the thing that causes actually sinners to come to repentance. It is the thing that causes your car to turn around on a slippery road because you didn't listen to what the Lord wanted you to do in the first place so it turns you around on a slippery road and sends you back the other way. And I'll, I'll tell that story in another, 
a message later. Truth above separates men, women from all that is tainted, all that is of mankind. You and I must have truth existing in our life. Oh, for the day that God's people, all of them, do not have just a form of godliness, but we have that spiritual tenacity in our lives that separates us from the appearance of the world. The Bible says, shun the very appearance of the world. Don't be associated with it. How, how unusual God people must look if we were all stacked, all the world was stacked together, and we were all shoulder to shoulder. I don't know how that would ever come about, but I, I'm, I'm telling you to use or suggesting to you that you use your imagination right now. All the creation of the world. I mean, you have uh, Italians, Polish. We, you have uh, Russians, and you have uh, people of African uh, nationalities. You have Latinos. You have uh, Republicans and Democrats. Every everybody is standing shoulder to shoulder. And the Lord says, I'm going to pour out a serum here and it is going to reveal those that believe and live in truth. Thank the Lord. I'm not supposed to lift my arm up any higher than this, but it's going without any pain. But I'm going to get it down real quick in case somebody tells my doctor. The fact is, I wonder how much truth will be seen on the creation as it would be poured out, the truth. But let me tell you, the Holy Ghost is a truth maker. The Holy Ghost is a truth separator. The Holy Ghost is that which takes away the fact that, and this, is a, this will be a part of a sermon later on as well, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. That's not true, by the way. That's not true. We need to believe as the Lord directs us by His Spirit in His Word and be truth above. Having, the script we read it already, having a form of, of godliness, but denying the power thereof. There is a separation. And you read in Matthew, just to bring, bring this matter to a conclusion here for today, you read in the back book of Matthew about how that there will be people that have standing before the Lord on the day of judgment. The scripture talks about the fact that, look, look Lord, I've done all this in your name. I've cast out devils. I've, I've laid hands on the sick, and I've done this, and I've done that. 
And the scripture says that the Lord says, depart from me. I never knew you. Truth. Is it impossible to live in? It's impossible to live in on your own. But in the Lord and his guidance, he can help us to live it. Praise the Lord. Uh, there, there is no stopping in this sermon, so I'm going to have to quit. And uh, you didn't type all that much, did you, for me? Okay. Well, let us stand to be adjourned here today. And uh, I, I see right now, before you eat your lunch, you've got something to chew on right now. And uh, Sister Lisa, uh, you're the tallest one in the back of the church back there. Would you dismiss us in prayer, please? Thank <laughs> you.